Hello and welcome back yet again to another edition of the Have You Seen S-C-E-N-E podcast. I hate having to spell that. I feel like I want to rebrand. I'm not even going to lie. I'm, t- I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, I am your host, Mike Bibbins, on Twitter at Bibbs Corner. Uh, you can find everything I do through BibbsCorner.com. And you can follow the show at Have You Seen Pod on Twitter as well. Uh, today, I'm joined by Tyler Lennon. Uh, you should be familiar with him. Last appeared on the show during the Evil Dead Rise review. Uh, <laughs> uh, we had some fun with that one. Uh, not necessarily the movie itself, but talking about it. Um, Tyler, welcome back. Yeah, you can follow him on socials at Tyler underscore Lennon on Instagram and Twitter. And you can follow his show down and out at down and out 903 also on Instagram and Twitter. Welcome yeah, Manko. Thanks, dude. Thanks for having me. It's nice to uh, once be on, or like be on here for once for not a uh, a horror movie for a non horror movie. I know I've. It's funny I've painted myself as like the horror movie guy, and then as soon as we do some non horror, I'm like, what the hell, man? What if what you got me watching? Yeah, so I I got a few like screeners lined up, and may I actually look at the the release schedule? There's not a lot coming out, so this might be a good time for me to start digging into some of this other stuff, but. Uh, two straight movies i did the review solo for rmn and now here we're here today to talk about the eight mountains these are two uh can cans films to uh nominate nominees for the palm door and uh this one actually won the the jury prize at cans last year so two heavily nominated heavily appreciated critically acclaimed movies here coming out of out of europe and uh this is the one i stuck you with so yeah which i felt good about it coming in because the last time we did one of the uh like one a foreign film and two one of your screener movies was uh holy spider i think and i loved holy spider so yeah holy spider was good um rmn i feel like you probably would enjoy that one that one it was a slow burn to start but it like ends it ratchets up as it gets toward the ending and then it ends on like an amazing amazing shot um, like that's still one I would recommend if you're into if you're down to watch some foreign films, that's definitely one you got to put on the list. Yeah, I need to check that out. Um, and it has like a message that's like you, tran- universal for any Western country about immigration and stuff like that. So um, let's focus on the eight mountains, though. So this movie starring Luca Marinelli, and I thought he looked familiar. He was in, he was in the old guard. I don't remember if you've seen that. Uh, no, I don't think I have a, his name. What's his name again? Luca Marinelli. All right. So just uh, two mass fans reviewing Luca's movie. I'm here for it. Yeah. So <laughs> Luca Marinelli, he was in the old guard. He was one of Charlene Theron's crew in the old guard. And I would assume he would be in the sequel that they're working on. Um, it also stars Alessandro Borgi from uh, On My Skin, The Last Seven Days of Stefano Cucci, which is on Netflix uh soup subura which is also on netflix and then a show called devils which features uh patrick dempsey additional cast uh elisabetta mazzullo plays uh she plays laura she's in a movie called let me buy you a drink that's her only other credit and then uh filippo timmy who plays the father uh he's in the invisible thread and he was in the american with george clooney Back in, I believe, like 2010. 
Movie is directed by Felix Van Groningen from uh, Beautiful Boy in the Broken Circle Breakdown and Charlotte Vandermeersch. Uh, this is actually her first director credit. Uh, they also split the adaption credit. The movie is based on a novel by Paulo Cognetti and Felix and Charlotte, uh, co- who actually co-wrote the Broken Circle Breakdown as well. Uh, they they adapted it for the screen. Uh, some other fun tidbits. Uh, Felix and Charlotte, the writer-director duo, they're actually married and have a child together. Um Charlotte apparently is an actress with 44 acting credits who's kind of dabbling in writing and directing now. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the film was the jury prize winner at Cannes last year and was a Palm d'Or nominee. Uh, this movie won Best Adapted Screenplay at the International Cinephile Society Awards this year. And both of the uh, the leads that the played the adult, Bruno and uh, Pietro, uh, they did a movie together in 2015 called Don't Be Bad. So that might be why they had pretty good chemistry. Yeah, they definitely did have good chemistry together. Uh, quick synopsis, an epic journey of friendship and self-discovery set in the breathtaking Italian Alps. The Eight Mountains follows over four decades, the profound, complex relationship between Pietro and Bruno. Tyler, you kind of had a weird watching experience because you started it at work. <laughs> yeah. And- then transition to home to finish it. Uh, did you have any expectations? I know I sent you the trailer. I don't know if you watched the trailer first. Yeah, I did watch the trailer, and it was weird. Uh, one, I'm just always in a weird horror spooky mood, I guess. But the <laughs> night uh, I watched that trailer, I've been texting you about my entire TikTok feed. Like once every two or three weeks, it becomes nothing but um, Appalachian talk. Yeah. So I was like in a very spooky mood, and then you sent me the. Uh, <laughs> sent me the trailer and i was sitting there watching it and like every now and then it has a weird score to it and i was like oh oh it's about to turn and then i was like wait i don't think this is a horror movie (laughs) it was not but no i didn't really have any expectations i I wasn't sure what to expect i just knew that uh it was going to be long but i will say um there's something about foreign films especially like smaller ones like this where it kind of i I do get really excited because like you kind of are just going into this whole new world. I don't know what it's about. I don't know what I'm signing up for. I just know, you know, it's just kind of something like brand new. Right. Right. Um, And yeah, I enjoy foreign films for that exact reason. Um, I think that in America, it's easy for us to stay in a bubble Uh and not kind of experience, you know, how the rest of the world lives or has lived. Uh, So I definitely like getting a peek into other cultures and societies. Uh, I could tell from the trailer that this one was going to be a slower movie, um, but I did not pay attention to the runtime until I was about to hit play. And then I was like, uh, oh, snap, like two and a half hours. This is going to be it's going to be a, a journey and a journey. It was uh, they did have a lot of time to cover <laughs> in this movie. So I get it. Uh, but I definitely think that's the first kind of note that I had is this movie probably could have been at least a half hour shorter. Yeah, I would take it. I would go even further than that. I mean, like you said, it did cover like four decades. And, you know, in your head, you think, all right, we're covering that much time. Yeah, it's going to take two and a half hours. But yeah, I think uh, to say it could have been half an hour shorter is is being fairly uh, conservative. Yeah. um, And I would say like the there's a lot of time that passes when they're adults. Where there's really nothing happening. Um, Yes. You could say that, you know, Bruno's family situation is changing, but we do we need to see that happen slowly? Like, 
Yeah, and it what it just paced weird because again, like they got through the childhood part of it very quickly. I mean, that's the first like I think 25, 30 minutes of the movie. We're already done with that. Right, right. And then like even the teenage years, I don't know how much we really gained from that. Yeah, and those flew by super quick. Yeah, like I when, thought anyway. When they're not, you know, in touch with each other, there was really nothing to <laughs> to talk about really. Yeah. Um before we get into the spoilers. What was your overall, I guess, assessment uh, of the movie? Um, oh, that's that's tough to say. Um, something that you and I talk a lot about on this podcast, and we were actually to like let people behind the scenes. We we're talking about this right before we went on, but like it, it, you get caught between either like how would I rate this movie or how would I recommend it for other people? I'm I'm not sure how recommendable of a movie it is, just because like I think there is an audience for it for sure, and I think the people like that are part of that audience would probably love it but i don't know that it's probably like the i wouldn't recommend it to a ton of people i don't think yeah it's the way i usually look at a movie like this is like i would not recommend this to the casual moviegoer like yeah not at all somebody who just wants to sit down and put a movie on no you got to actually be paying attention um for a movie like this you got to be locked in you have to appreciate the art pretty much like you have to be an indie film like a, a cinephile like i get it it won the the cinephile award for best adapted screenplay this is a cinephile type movie like it has it's good it's quality it's a quality film but you really have to be ready to uh sit down and, and get into it it's like if you're a basketball fan i'm not going to tell you to watch a baseball game <laughs> um it's it's if you're used to seeing people up and down the court back and forth you're probably you're not going to necessarily enjoy uh, the slow down pace of a baseball. Although, you know, with that pitch count, I mean, I feel like right. the pitch clock is very short. Did, am I wrong for that assessment? Nah, man. I, I know this is the time or place, but the pitch clock is this wild because I'm not only like a huge old baseball like nerd, but like I played college baseball. That's my thing. But the pitch clock's the best thing that's ever happened to baseball. It's fast, it's okay. quick, it's wild. But that's such a good analogy. This like would be it'd be like, oh, you like you like Sunday's football. You like watching football all day Sunday. I've got a golf tournament all day Sunday that you could watch. That's watching sports all day. <laughs> exactly. Like you have to genuinely appreciate the, what you're about to sit down for to enjoy this type of movie. And the, yet- the way I'd explained it to you was uh, to me, this is like, you know, you have those friends that like refuse to watch a foreign film or an indie film for that matter. And they have like this image in their head. This movie is the image of like what they think every foreign indie film is. Yeah, and there's not really, would you say there's not a ton of dialogue in this one? No, there isn't. So much so that I, one time I was like trying to skip to the next bit of dialogue. And I was like, <laughs> how many minutes of, like, how much have I skipped? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of uh, use of facial expressions and, you know, people doing things uh, without talking. And again, it's not, it's not bad. It's not bad. But, you know, if you're, it is a movie like I took breaks. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I, I I almost think of it as like a songwriter who really excels in production, but not lyrics. Like there's a ton of cinematography. There's a ton of like landscape and stuff like that. And it feels like it was very much made that way originally. And like, I made the beat first and I'll go back and like, I'll get the lyrics later. No, definitely. Uh, so I think I, I think we pretty much covered that on the non-spoiler side. So let's get into these details. Mm-hmm. 
Hello, have you seen listeners? If you are a movie fan, which I would imagine you are if you're listening to this podcast, and your local theater is a Cinemark, let me tell you about Cinemark Rewards. Cinemark has two different levels of Cinemark Rewards. The first being the Cinemark Movie Fan, which is a free level. You sign up for Cinemark Movie Fan, you'll earn one point for every dollar you spend at the Cinemark Theaters. You can redeem those points for tickets and other rewards. You'll receive member access to screenings and advanced tickets. You'll get an extra discount on Tuesday and other exclusive member offers. Now, if you're a bigger movie fan and you're willing to put some cash up, the Cinemark Movie Club is $9.99 per month. You'll get all of the above. Plus, you'll get one free ticket every month. Again, if you're going to the movies at least once a month, this is already paying for itself. One free ticket every month, 20% off all concessions, and if you upgrade to platinum, it'll be 25%. You get to platinum status by attending movies, by the way, but that's neither here nor there right now. You're just signing up. You won't be eligible right away, but eventually you could get up to platinum status and get 25% off. You also have online fees waived. And that doesn't just apply to tickets. You can order your concessions online as well and pick them up once you go to the theater. Any unused ticket credits roll over to the next month. That means if you you don't use your one ticket that month, it rolls over to the next month, so on and so forth. So if you're worried, ah, what if I miss a month, then it's not paying for itself, Mike. Well, if you miss a month, it rolls over. You can watch two the next month if you like. Now, you'll also get member pricing for additional tickets you buy, and that is important. For more information, you can hit the link in the show notes. Uh, that'll give you the more details, and you can sign up today. All right, what do we want to get into? So, for the spoiler conversation, um, you know, I I can appreciate a movie like this because you know, uh, as a person of a certain age, you know, I'm 34. You know, uh, I've lived a little bit. Uh, You know, I can look back on my life and see things I would have potentially wanted to have done differently or decisions I made that I can look back on and say, man, I really should have should have enjoyed that time or, you know, things like that. And especially as a man uh, and the, the complexities of a man's relationship with his father, which is a big part of what this is about. Uh, friendship, fatherhood, all that stuff. Uh, did any any of that land for you in this movie? Yeah, it really did. I, I found myself thinking the exact same thing. I actually had a thought at one point where like, I feel like we get so, so, so many like coming of age movies for like high school going into the college age. And I think especially just kind of being in the generation that we are a part of, uh, we're older now. Like, you know, millennials are kind of at that next stage. And I don't know how many of those we get. I mean, there definitely have been some, but we don't get a ton of those. So like, it was pretty cool, pretty refreshing to see uh that uh, like be one of the major themes of of this movie yeah and i think you know the ideas you see it happening or the discussion i guess happening more often uh of men being able to show affection toward each other and Mm -hmm. uh having those those strong bonds 
um you know it's terrible i hate bringing this up now but i remember like michael b jordan and jonathan majors during the creed 3 tour were like very you know they were hugging a lot they had like a photo shoot where they were like holding each other and stuff and people were having these huge debates about masculinity and blah 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 um this movie kind of is touches on that as well like these two dudes clearly they, they they have a love for each other that's deeper than friendship i would say i was waiting for them to refer to each other as brother but i, I don't think it ever occurred but that was the relationship really they were they were brothers even though they had no familial ties um would you say do you would you say you have a friendship that that's close to that at all uh yeah i would say i have i, I for sure have one that I think would be on that level. I I almost at one point thought to myself, like, this is in a lot of ways a love story, is what it is. Just it's friendship rather than, than right. love. Yeah, and I appreciated that because at one point I thought it was going that route. Like I thought it was gonna be like some secret love stuff, but I'm glad it didn't feel the need to go there, I guess. Like Yeah, uh, agreed. Men have bonds like that. Like there's a, I, I could probably say I have one or two and maybe like a couple of females that I would say are like sisters to me. Like we're going to be in each other's lives forever. Like I know their worst moments. They know mine type of stuff. Right. Um, and that type of bond, like you said, we, we don't get a ton of that, I guess, in movies. Like, everything needs to be a relationship. <laughs> so or a, a, a like a romantic relationship. But this I appreciated this. Uh so I started taking a couple of notes, probably about the time that Pietro's father died. But I want to go back a little bit further when they were kids and Pietro's family actually wants to bring Bruno to the city where they pretty much would have been raised as brothers together. And Bruno's dad is not in his life at this point. His dad is in the city. He's being he's staying with his uncle and aunt on the farm. and. Bruno's ready to go. I think they were like 13 at a time. Like Bruno's ready to go. Like I'm ready to explore the city. I like, I want to see something else besides these mountains. And young Pietro's like, nah, like he's a farm boy. Like I'm not bringing a farm boy to the city. Like, what are you talking about? Uh huh. That, and then like, he ends up not being able to go. Cause his dad like shows up and takes him to the city or takes him to work basically. And then Pietro was like hurt. And I was like, come on, Pietro. You was just trying to block this man from. from uh-huh. He was he was heartbroken. And it's like, oh, we switched up real quick. It's one of those. You don't know what you got till it's gone. Right. Like when it was about to happen, he didn't like it. But then when he realized it couldn't happen, he was like, well, wait a minute. I, I was about to have a brother. Potentially. That's very that's a super relatable feeling, though, because like I'll find myself thinking that often. You're like, oh, man, I don't want to do that. And the second it's not an option anymore. You're like, oh, damn. Like, that's a bummer. <laughs> So I don't even get it get to be mad about this anymore. Like, okay. Uh-huh. Um, I thought that was interesting. And then it's like, again, I, I always, when I'm taught, thinking about life, I always think about those forks in the road, like those major moments in your life that changed everything. Like how different would both of their lives have been if Bruno goes to the city and lives with them? You know what I mean? Well, that very much might be like as pivotal of a scene as there is in the entire movie because it, it genuinely drastically changes or probably anyway, drastically changes the outcomes of their lives. Not even their lives necessarily. It's like their mindset. Cause like you said, Bruno wanted to go. And he was falling behind in his studies. They were going to help him with that. Um, After this, he doesn't go back to school. Right. Like he starts working in construction and that's that, like he's done with school at 13. 
versus going to, you know, going to the city, getting his schooling right and going to college like that would have been his life. As for Pietro, he goes back to the city, uh, stays in the city pretty much um, and, you know, goes off to college, does like the, the what you're supposed to do type of stuff, but also falls out with his father and doesn't talk to him for 15 years, pretty much uh, before 10 years, I believe it was like after he's college age or what have you, he doesn't talk to him. And then his father dies at 62 uh, while uh, Pietro wasn't around again, wasn't speaking to his father Um, has to come back. And when he comes back, you know, he's thinking about, he's reflecting on the relationship. You know, he said, my dad passed away at 30 at 62. Uh, I'm 31, you know, the same age that he was when I was born. Like he's thinking Uh about all these things. Um, And then he thinks about his life and he's like, you know, I'm living a life where I'm part man, part boy. And that, that one definitely hit home for me. Yeah. I had the exact same thought. I was like, damn, dude, that's such a relatable, and again, like I think this movie is perfect for millennials because I think we, I think there are so many of us that have that mindset of like whether you know I'm almost thirty, and I think about like what my parents were doing when they were thirty, yeah. or and like you, I think our generation might be the first ones to really like be experiencing that on that level. You know what I mean? And yeah, that was super relatable. Yeah, because we're not having kids <laughs> like right, like the the previous generation did. Um, you know, I think like I'm thirty four right now. Uh, my mom is 20 years older than me she had me at 20 like my mom was the age that i am now when she moved us to south carolina like i was a damn near teenager when we moved here well actually no i was a teen i was 13 when we moved here and my mom was my age like i'm thinking like (laughs) that that's crazy to me to like to reflect on that um you know when my dad was my age i was eight so i think like he was I think he was in uh, Korea at the time, like away from his family, like with 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 two kids at home, like not not being able to spend time with him because uh, he's overseas, like those type of things where you start to reflect on your life. And then that line where he says, you know, I'm living a life that's part man, part boy. You do kind of feel like you're not really a grown up <laughs> at this stage when you're right. in your 30s with no kids and not 100 percent knowing exactly what you're doing like for me I, i'm trying to change make a career change right now and in the movie pietro's kind of stuck like not knowing where he, he's kind of like he says working random jobs here and there trying to find his way um i'm kind of in a similar boat so that, that that part definitely resonated and that was like the first note that i kind of wrote down yeah and i think it also i mean we'll get to the others as we get there but there are so many points in this movie where you think like oh he's having this moment of realization and he seems not content with the way he's living his life. Maybe he's going to, you know, maybe he's going to try to make a big change or something like that. Or is it just a matter of self-realization where, like, he don't want to make a change. He's just having this moment of clear. Like, I don't know, you know? <laughs> yeah. Around this time, he also finds out that Bruno had a better relationship with his dad than he did. Um, after he stopped talking to his dad, his dad did not stop talking to Bruno. Uh, he came up to the mountains often. They climb mountains together. Uh, when they're kids, we see this map where he's like marking lines and he's got like colors drawn to show who went up with him. And he sees this map with all these lines of his dad and Bruno going up all these mountains. And he's 
he's reflecting like, damn, like I missed out on time with my dad and like Bruno had that time. Yeah. What we learned is uh, while he's been like, not, I mean, separated not only from his family and from Bruno as well, the opposite is happening. Bruno has gotten very, very close with his family. Bruno did have all these experiences and on one hand, you're kind of happy for Bruno because it's like, well, Bruno didn't have these kind of experiences with his own family. Right. But for Pietro, like, well, this is my own family and I'm not having these experiences with them. But then again, to an extent, Pietro kind of made those decisions on his own. He was the one that kind of created the distance there. So. Yeah. So I was glad that he didn't like get mad about right. it. Like at Bruno, like it seemed like he was kind of blaming himself. And again, uh-huh. it's not it's not really ever expressed, but you get that idea that he's like, well, shit, like I'm a dumbass. Um, Bruno, in, at the same time, had a falling out with his father where he ended up fighting him and his dad never came back. Um, yeah, he has the funny line. It must have really hurt because he never came back after that. <laughs> right. Um, and then again, Bruno is cool. Also, like Bruno doesn't appear to judge him for like not staying in touch with his dad like even though he thought his dad was cool uh, or he thought pietro's dad was cool like he doesn't say like you missed out basically yeah Um, bruno seems to have this very like you said just kind of a cool mindset of like he understands that pietro's goals or wants or whatever are to travel and to go kind of just have your own experiences and he doesn't seem to think one way of it or another he doesn't seem to be like oh that's awesome i want to do that but he also doesn't have any negative feelings towards it like he seems to just kind of accept that that is the case and you can tell he just is glad to have a friend basically and pietro seems like he's not sure if he can be friends with bruno still like am i good enough to be your friend at this point but bruno like you know breaks down all the walls and like lets him in um cracks jokes with him gets him to loosen up a little bit uh all right so i'm moving forward in the movie there's a moment where we see pietro he's not necessarily thriving but he's doing fine back at home back in the city and he has his girl with him and like they're making out and stuff and like i was like, okay so this is the woman he's gonna marry um then he invites her to the mountain and again, I'm still thinking, you're like, this is the chick he's going to marry. Bruno's going to tell him, you know, she seems cool because he she likes the mountain life. Like she's from the mountains as well. But then the next thing I know, Bruno is calling Pietro like, hey, your girl Laura showed up. And I was like, what is about to happen right now? And yep. he was like, y'all just friends or what? And Pietro gave him the all clear. Like, yeah, we just friends, man. And like, didn't like we watched They hooked up on the mountain. Like Pietro yes. and Laura. They did on a very long sink. It was like a three minute sink. Yeah. Like they saw so it again. I was like, this is going to be his wife. And then the next scene is like Bruno, like, hey, your girl is here. Like, am I is do I have the green light to proceed? And Pietro's like, cool about it. He's like, yeah, go ahead, man. All you. Yep. Are you shocked by that? Yeah. He straight up pulled a John Legend. Give me the green light. And, uh, and <laughs> Pietro said, bet you can. So this whole movie, I genuinely thought what was going to happen was it's just telling these two people's stories, how they have their own opposite lives going on. But like in my head, he was going to get married and have a kid and he was going to bring the wife and kid and they were going right. to spend the summer there. And like, yeah, I was like, what is happening? And I don't know. Uh, you know, the Reddit, am I the asshole? Is Bruno the asshole? Because what we've seen so far in the first like 30 years of their lives are he pretty much takes Pietro's family and then he takes his girl. 
Now, take's not the right word. In both of those instances, Pietro, Pietro is kind of the one that left his family. He's kind of the one that's like, have the girl. That's all cool. But, like, yeah, Bruno's just like, yeah, whatever whatever you got that you're not going to use, I'll take it, I guess. <laughs> He's recycling everything in Pietro's life. Like, you don't want this this mountain house? Bet. I will stay here. You don't You don't want your father? Cool. I got, I need one. Uh-huh. Uh, this 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 girl like there ain't no girls up here in these mountains but this one this, the, you brought this one up here and like she wants to stay like is that cool and Pietro's like cool take it like, he's giving him he's giving him a lot I would say see I don't have any actual siblings but I have a bunch of older cousins in my whole life growing up I was always the like oh you're you're not gonna wear that shirt anymore yeah I'll take the shirt or like you know what I mean I was always the one getting the hand me down so it very much felt like yeah all right well if you're not gonna use this anymore uh, I could use it <laughs> um so they end up having a child together and like starting a business on the mountain. Uh, Bruno seems very excited about it. He's going to get some cows. They're pretty cheap. Now Uh, he wants to make the cheese. Uh, He's having a good time on the mountain. Uh, You mentioned this, you texted me this and I was going to ask it like the, the, the farm life. I know you can kind (laughs) of relate a little bit. Uh, Uh How did you feel about the depiction of, of Bruno as a farm boy, like doing his thing on the mountain? Yeah, there was one scene specifically that I thought I was like, of all the movies I've ever seen, they just completely nailed this. They're uh, at one point, uh, they're kind of on like a little drip shed and they're picking up the milk and they're taking it to another place. And then at one point, they're even pinning cows. And it was such an accurate description or depiction of like, okay, I'll stand here and I'll block them off from going any further. You walk those over there and we'll pin those. Like it was very, they nailed that. I mean, whoever filmed that had either consulted with people or had like spent time on a farm themselves, they, uh, they nailed that scene. Yeah, and I, I and again, I'm not, I can't relate to to the farm life, but I, if again, if you're gonna make a two and a half hour movie, it's good to have those touches that seem authentic in it. Um, and I thought they did a good job of depicting, you know, that farm life stuff. It didn't. It would have been easy for, you know, I'm sure the author of the book put some good details in his book about it. But you know, let's say the writer and director come in, they don't know anything about that. That could have easily glossed over those parts of the yep. film. It didn't. Yeah, 100%. Also, uh, so I'm, did I misinterpret to, in, misinterpret this? Or like, I guess they, Piet, or not Pietro, but Bruno rather, they have multiple properties, I guess, huh? Don't they have, they have the house they built that they call Barna or Barma or something like that. Right. And then they have the Algia, whatever. They have a couple different properties, right? Yes. Yeah, so they have, so he has a house in the city. <clears throat> he has, they have the main house, like in the, I guess the village. And then, like up the mountain is the house that they built where the yeah, dad okay. wanted the house up the mountain. So he had multiple houses. There was one I remember. They would always show the shot from the balcony. That was uh, that was in the the village or what have you. Gotcha. Okay, which we did kind of gloss over the fact when uh the whole not premise, but one of the major plot points of this is we find out that after Pietro's dad has died. Bruno had promised him up on this mountain, I will build this house for you, that he had always wanted this house up there. And Pietro comes back. He's like, I'm not doing that. Do it. And Bruno's like, no, we are doing it. And you're going to you're going to work for me and we're going to do it. And that was like a pretty big chunk of the of the movie. But true. Um, true. That's kind of the that turning point where like Pietro's going through the motions, basically, of my dad died and I got to check out this property that he owned. And Bruno's like, I'll show you. And he shows him like the, the and then Pietro's like, I inherited a pile of rocks. And he's like, all right, whatever, bet I'm out of here. And Bruno's like, nah, your dad wanted to build a house. I'm gonna build a house. And Pietro's like, you know, have at it. 
And he's like, nah, we are going to build a house. Yep. <laughs> I, I, I'm the bricklayer, but I need a laborer. And Bruno, again, this is Bruno trying to rekindle the friendship. And Pietro's being a weirdo. Um, but he does acquiesce. And that's how they become friends again, basically. Yeah, and by the end of it, he's kind of bought all the way in. Like, he's not staying there every night. Bruno is, but he is going up there every day. And he even tells his mom at one point, he's like, I'm getting ready to the point where I, I'm going to start staying up there, too. And, you know, I'm proud of Bruno. He's doing so good. I wish I were that good. Like, he kind of has these moments of like, okay, he's kind of buying all the way in. Yeah, and it's one of those things where I'm glad you brought us back to this point, actually, because, again, we've seen Pietro kind of going through the motions in his life. And at this pivotal moment when his dad dies and he's rekindling the friendship with Bruno, he's seeing that Bruno is like content with life and found something that he's like passionate about something he loves. And I think that kind of flicks a light on in his mind of like trying to find that thing. Also um, they kind of, I don't know if they have the conversation here or later, I was going to bring it up soon, but basically um, he Bruno, he says, you know, I tried to do some writing, but I'm like not good at it. And Bruno kind of gives him the words of encouragement, like, keep doing it. Like, you don't just stop. Like, if that's what you think you're passionate at, like, keep keep working at it and you'll get better. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, go ahead. That, to me, there's kind of two scenes. And we'll get to the other one later. Remind me that I'm making a note of it now. But uh, it kind of, I don't know how I'm trying to word this, but make a note of that conversation. Because we're going to come back to it later. And to me, that's almost like the whole point of the movie. Okay. But yeah, he essentially says, like, you know, you find your thing. Doesn't matter if you're good at it or not. Do it. Do that thing that makes you happy. Do that thing. And it doesn't matter what that thing is. Just do that thing. That's that's how I live my life. Yeah. And it, it's working for Bruno for a while. <laughs> um, yeah. After, at some point, it starts to work for Pietro as well. Uh, he starts traveling around the world. Uh, he ends up in Nepal. Uh, he actually finds a young lady that he begins a relationship of some sort with, even though, does she even have any lines? Yes. I don't, does she? Me. Oh, yep, you're right. They it's speak English, quickly. actually. It's he, uh, always jarring when I'm listening, watching one of these foreign films and they start speaking English. Yeah, I thought the same exact thing. There's another scene where, like, uh, two, he's traveling somewhere and two white people are talking to each other very loudly in English. And I <laughs> thought it was kind of funny because it's one of those, like, anytime you're out in public, maybe I just ha I have zero self-confidence to begin with. But, like, you're not yelling, you know? You're kind of talking quietly amongst right. each other. And I guess they thought because they were speaking in a different language, it didn't matter. But they're just being wild loud. And I just I thought that was kind of funny. And it was funny. I thought it was funny, too, because I, I took it as, like, a shot at Americans. Like I say I did, too, yeah. They were being very American. And he was just, like, annoyed. Uh-huh. Um, which I, I can respect that. You know, um, he smartfully never brings this girl to Bruno. <laughs> so. That was interesting, I thought. Like, why does she never leave Nepal? Because it's not like they had kids to take care of back home. But I think he learned his lesson. He's like, I got to start, stop taking stuff. Oh, you you know what? You're right. <laughs> Mr. Steal your chick. Uh, uh -huh. there. Um, but he starts, he has like a couple successful books. He makes some, a little bit of money. Like they're not bestsellers or anything like that, which I'm glad they didn't feel the need to like make him a world renowned author. Um, and uh, so he's doing okay. He's, he's now in a good place. He decides to go to these mountains. And I noticed this early in the movie. I hope they brought it back. But like when they go up the mountain, there's like a little box with a notebook uh, where you can leave a note. You know, I climbed this mountain on this date, blah, 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 blah. And Pietro like goes up the mountains. He finds the notebooks and he finds the notes from he finds a note that his dad wrote that first summer about 
climbing a mountain with his son. Uh-huh. Um, that was like, that was a good moment for me. Like I enjoyed those moments. Yeah, I thought that was a really good moment. He reads the letters and like, uh, I don't remember exactly what his dad had, but his dad, it was just very optimistic. You know, I, I led my son up the mountain and it might be the last time because next time he's going to be leading me. And it, it was this very like optimistic, you know, that had been a very cool letter to go back and find way later. Exactly. And but in this situation, because it never happened, it was probably devastating. Like, damn, like, yeah. my dad actually did love me and I was a piece of shit. Um, right. And uh but then he like keeps going and he reads a couple about his dad and Bruno like climbing the mountain. And it's like, maybe he didn't have that father son experience with his own son, but he did have it with Bruno. And again, Pietro could be petty about this, but he's not, he, I guess he probably more so appreciates that even though he wasn't there for his father, his father wasn't really a piece of shit at the end of the day. And he's glad his father did have that experience with somebody. And at the same yeah. Time, these are some very, very, very well-written characters in terms of just like, self-awareness and like because like you're saying you could have so easily been petty but instead he's just almost like appreciative like hey at least he did get to experience all those things he was hoping to experience right right and i think one of the things they mentioned uh was that he realized like near the end of the film that his father was two different men like in the city he was hard-working man who was never home but in the mountain he was loose and free and like experiencing life um and he could have had he could have been part of that but he chose not to be uh, right. Couldn't see past the the nine months dad, which is interesting. Interesting to think about how you don't realize your parents are people <laughs> until you're at a true, very true. Um, shall we continue? Oh, Bruno becomes a father, and then he becomes his father. Yes, that was a that was a bummer to to watch unfold, and uh, Pietro even kind of calls him on it, and pretty much with what he's done with everybody else to this point in his life. The second anything got hard, he's like, all right, get out of here. Um, I'm done with you. Go ahead and leave. Yeah. Uh, that was a rough scene. Uh, did you think, how, how did you think that was going to play out? Uh, I actually honestly thought for a while anyway, that was going to be the end of that. I was like, Oh, okay. Pietro's just going to have to leave and they're just going to go a long time without talking again. And you know, my, like I even kind of consider maybe something similar to his dad's going to happen where like, Maybe one of them's going to die before he gets the chance to rekindle this, but they very quickly uh, do make up and get back together or whatever, I guess. But <laughs> Yeah, Bruno kind of realizes he was tripping and he's like, thanks for being honest, I guess. But at the same time, he's like, nah, man, uh, she's going to go stay with her family. She's going to take the kid. I'm going to stay up here on this mountain and suffer like. I'm not yeah, Pietro even tried to help him get there. He's like, "Well, are you going to see your are you going to see your daughter at Christmas?" And he's like, "No, nah, maybe in the spring." And he jokingly says, "Well, you know, if if not the spring, why not just the summer?" And I kind of thought we were alluding to like, you know, that you would come back and visit every summer. Right. Uh, but like he was trying to help him realize, like, "Hey, you see what you're doing here, right?" And when he finally had to say it blatantly, was when it caused the fight. But yeah. Uh... And you hear in this moment, Bruno talk about, you know, I'm I'm meant to be up here. Like, I'm not a city person. I'm not going to go pretend to be a city person or try to be a city person. That's not who I am. And this is after the farm fails and all that stuff. Um, he's willing to let his family go. So he could stay on the mountain. And like you said, that was it was kind of disappointing for me. I would kind of hope that. And again, this is one of those moments where it's like if he had gone 
and lived in the city as a kid, even if he ends up back in the mountain, he would probably be more comfortable at this point in his life going back to the city. Um, yeah. Which was, uh, I hated that that was how I ended up going out. Yeah, I did too. Like, that's, like you said, like I alluded alluded to that in the beginning. If he would have gotten those experiences as a kid or just that opportunity to leave, like, who knows? That very well changes the entire trajectory of his life. But, like, he's just been stuck there his entire life. Not even stuck, though. I mean, he's just been there. And he's just kind of accepted, like, bad things are going to happen. That's fine. But, like, I'm not leaving here. This is This is it for me. The the kind of almost the last two things I wanted to hit, uh, they have a point where Pietro like draws this little diagram. He said he had a conversation with a guy and he draws like eight, eight peaks and then like a circle in the middle. He's like, you know, there's a man who sees all eight mountains and a man who masters like this point in the middle and can see all of them like from or can look, look down. He's like, which one do you think is winning? And in this scenario, Pietro is the guy that's like gone around and seen all eight mountains. And <clears throat> Bruno is the man who's mastered, you know, the one one point. And Pietro's like, I'm winning. And Bruno like accepts that he's the man in the middle. And I guess he thinks he's winning. I thought that was a weird exchange, kind of an interesting exchange. And it kind of was one of those moments. I think the movie wants you to reflect on who you are. Yes. So when I told you earlier, there was a parallel and one more thing I want to make note of. It was that. So, okay. you know, the movie. If I didn't explain titled, it well. Feel free to re-explain it. No, I think you did. The movie is titled The Eight Mountains. And we learned why. That is why there's the eight mountains. And like you said, one person goes to all of them. And the other one stays in one and masters. And that is our two characters. That is what our entire movie is about. We have one who travels and sees all of it, uh, but still never really seems content. And then we have the one who masters just the one who probably shouldn't be content, but does seem content. I did realize, I think the dad is somehow both of those people. I think because, you know, we think of him as he wasn't around a ton, you know, he's constantly working and then he's constantly doing this, but he did find the time, even though it wasn't on the terms he thought it would be, he did find the time to explore the way he wanted to and to do the different things. So I think we do kind of get a third character who is kind of in between those two, maybe. Yeah. And I, I thought it was interesting that they kind of laid that out for us. But like, and maybe Pietro does see that, but doesn't accept that that's for him. Like he, like you said, he does travel. He does experiment, try different jobs. Like he's the, and that's where I would say I am. Like I've dabbled in a lot of things. Like I had a record label at one point. You know, I did the writing thing for a while and now I'm doing podcasting like I'm I'm dabbling in a lot of things. Uh, the stereotypical jack of all trades, master of none. Um, and then, you know, like you said, Bruno's the guy who the mountain is his life, even when the mountain is not good to him. And I think one of the last things he says to Pietro is like the mountain has never hurt me. Or oh, yeah. I forgot about that. He does say that. I don't know. My only problem with Pietro as a character, like, it's not even a problem. I mean, if anything, I can make the argument it's actually a, a very well-written character, but, like, he keeps having these moments of realizing that, and, like, <laughs> you're almost like, oh, so you are just going to settle down, and you are just going to be with the girl and have the family, but it's almost like he's like, mm, no, I'm good. I'm going to keep, <laughs> even though I'm not happy with all my searching, like, I'm going to keep searching until I find it, and, like, I keep thinking, like, maybe this is your moment of finding your thing. And he's like, no, nah, I'm going to keep it. <laughs> <laughs> There's always something else to look for, you know? Yeah. 
Um, and it kind of makes me question, like, will I ever get to the point where I'm happy? Like, I feel like anytime I get good at something, I get bored after like a couple years and then I got to go find something else to do. Right. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping I'm not that guy, but we'll, 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 we'll find out. But like you said, the father has his nine months of the year. He's the stationary guy who does his job uh, as a, I believe he was an engineer and yep. three months of the year, he's the explorer. And I think that's, that's probably a good way to do it in reality. Um, it's probably why I should have been a teacher. <laughs> so I could <laughs> lock in and teach for nine months, have a nice steady job that I can do anywhere. And then for three months of the year, I can go do whatever the hell I want. But uh, yeah, true. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, so I mentioned Pietro Bruno have that conversation. Pietro leaves. And again, just like with his father, he gets a phone call. There's been some tough. We actually, so we get the dramatic scene of like a helicopter coming across the mountains. I was like, what the hell is this? And then we see where they go. And I'm like, please don't tell me Bruno is in this, this cabin. Like, I'm not trying to see no dead Bruno right now. Well, um, you kind of got your wish, I guess. <laughs> so they cut open the cabin, they go in, he's not in there. His mom's calling him saying, you know, uh, Bruno was up on the mountain. There was a lot of snow. They sent a rescue squad or like his aunt and uncle sent a rescue squad and or his cousins and he wasn't there they believe he must have been out and about uh they had to call off the search though um and they'll find him when the snow melts and i guess she kind of wanted pietro to go up there when the snow melts and pietro's like i'm good he's dead it is what it is and i'm never going to the mountain again Um, yeah Yeah. (laughs) how do you feel about that well okay so i did have a brief moment and i knew better i knew that that wasn't going to be the case but when they were like you know uh i'm sure they'll they'll find him when the snow melts i did have a brief moment where i was like dude maybe he went back to his wife and kid but i was like <laughs> no nah, i know he stayed on that mountain didn't he and he obviously he obviously did yeah and pietro even makes a comment where his mom asks, like you know do you think that's what he would have wanted and he says no i don't and then he has an inner dialogue moment where he goes but i lied i, I think that is what he wanted See, and I missed that, and I should have went back because I was like, "What did? He, what was she talking about?" Like, or when he said he lied, I was like, "What did I miss?" I missed that line about his mom. What his mom asked him. Yeah, that probably, and like, unfortunately, that probably is what Bruno wanted. I mean, yeah, yeah. he kind of chose a life of isolation and just hard work by yourself, and that's that's what he ended up getting. And then the last thing that kind of was poignant. So when uh, Lara. And Pietro come to the mountain and like Pietro has his friends up there and they're talking and he talks about going to Nepal and how uh, they bury their their dead. Uh, They take them to the top of the mountain or they skin them, excuse me, take them to the top of the mountain, let birds pick them clean till they're just bones uh, and then burn their ashes. I burn their bones, I should say, uh, to ashes. And everybody's like, man, that's a rough way to go. But Bruno's like, that sounds legit to me. Like, I like that. And so at the end of the film, we see the bird circling and picking at his flesh uh, after the snow starting to melt. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that conversation. I do obviously remember, you know, the scene at the end. But yeah. Yeah. So that was like, if you didn't hear that, if you didn't remember that conversation, you see that you're like, well, damn, that's kind of brutal. But that is exactly what I thought. (laughs) But uh, I thought it was because of that scene. And, you know, that ends up being kind of what he kind of gets. I thought it was thought it was interesting. Yeah, I mean, 
I don't know, man. I have some thoughts on this movie, but I mean, we're here at the end. Any any last thoughts? Yeah. Suggest? Okay. My final couple thoughts. Uh, one, I feel like this probably you know people all the time, and it probably is right more often than not. But you get like the quote unquote pretentious, like, "Well, the book was better." I bet the book was better. I bet this was a very good <laughs> book. Um, my only problem with the movie, again, we we said this could have been half an hour shorter at least. Um. I had no problem with two and a half hour movies. Like we will jokingly be, be like, Oh, give me 90 minute movies. Like I'll gladly watch a two and a half hour movie. Um, I just don't think it needed to be one. Every single scene and every single shot felt like it was like three minutes longer than it needed to be for no reason. Yeah. And I think if I was making this for entertainment value, making it shorter, tightening it up, getting through a lot of those scenes quicker, would probably make it like more marketable um yeah but maybe it maybe it's not trying to be i mean maybe it's not trying to appeal to mainstream audiences and like again it is beautiful it's very beautifully shot all those scenes where you're just getting the mountainsides and the you know what as they would say you don't call it nature but nature like yeah that's all very it's beautiful but like i I don't know we didn't every single scene didn't need to end with three minutes of a mountain you know what's funny the book is only 224 pages. Dude, I was just about to say, watch the book be wild short. That's what I was like. I was expecting this to be like a 500-page book. You could damn near read the book in the amount of time it takes to watch the movie. Yeah, because they usually say, like, when you're writing screenplays, uh, a, a page per minute or a minute. A page equals a minute, basically, is what they say. Uh-huh. When you think about all the visuals in this, like, the script is probably an hour, an hour and a half if you're looking at it. Like, it's probably 90 pages. If that. Yeah. And I guarantee the book probably does a great job of like still explaining how beautiful the <laughs> the scenery is. Right. Um I probably I probably agree. With it being just 224 pages, the, the book probably is a, a better better experience if you're gonna consume this story, which I would say I like the story. It's as a movie, I don't know if it's as I mean it's beautiful. So if you like taking in the scenery. Um, then that then maybe the movie is good for you in that sense. Maybe you watch it on mute with while you read the book. I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't know if what I'm about to say makes any sense at all. But it even feels it feels more like a book to me. Even the way the characters right. are written, the story itself of just being like, not even bleak's not the right word. But there are so many times where it's not positive or negative. It's just people coming to terms with things, acceptance. And like it, it just feels more like a book than a movie to me. It's very real. Um, I would say that. Like at no point did I see something and say, well, even at the end, like when the the way he dies, like I you I wouldn't say any of this was like cinematic. Like it reads like a documentary almost. Like right. I just wanted to look to see if this was based on a true story, but I, I didn't confirm that. Um, I will. I will that, say it was. It was good. It wasn't. I mean, like, again, like, like we keep talking, the cinematography was great. I thought the characters were really well written. I thought even like, it's always hard for me to judge sometimes uh, how good the acting is when it comes to foreign films. Because again, I'm reading the subtitles. So I'm spending a lot of time actually reading rather than like watching. um, You know what I mean? And it's hard because like, I can't, I can't hear whether it is good or not. I really don't know. But it felt like the acting was good. It felt like the chemistry was really good. Um, I don't have a ton of complaints, but at the same time, I don't know. Yeah, and I, I, I was just realizing, like, I might sound like I'm dumping on it. No, I 
enjoyed the movie. I thought it was a good movie. I, I'm glad I consumed this story. But I don't know if it needed to take two and a half hours. It did not. It and did that's, not. That's the only that's the only thing holding it back from being great. If it was hour 45 minutes, maybe even two hours, like you said, if you took out 30 minutes of just cinematography, I could maybe refer like you didn't see a man called Otto. A man called Otto kind of followed a similar, like it tells a long story, basically. Um and it does have some of those more cinematic moments, those dramatic moments that people are going to cling on to, that the tear jerking moments. Um, but it's a movie I could recommend to people because it has those elements. If this movie was tightened up a little bit, and had some like draw drew out some of those more emotional moments, then then it would be one I could recommend to people in that way. Yeah, I don't. You know, I, I'm not recommending this to anybody, really. Yeah, this is a movie I would recommend only to cinephiles. Yes. I, I, I believe that it did well at, at festivals. It seems like something I would do good at festivals, but yeah, no, definitely. Um, so that's that's really all I had to say about the eight mountains. I have no idea how long this review is currently. Um not two and a half hours. <laughs> definitely not two and a half hours. I know we usually joke about struggling to make sure we keep a review under the length of time of the movie. I I did not expect that would be a problem here, and I, I don't think it was. So now I think we're at about like 45, honestly. Yeah, we're not. I think we're, yeah, we're definitely under an hour. So unless you had anything else to say, Tyler, I guess we can get up out of here. Yeah, no, that's all I got, man. I mean, it was, uh, it was fine. It was good. I'm glad, like you said, I mean, I'm glad I've, I've seen it and everything. I, I don't think I'd ever rewatch it. I can't see a reason why I'd need to rewatch this or anything, but, uh, I mean, it was good. Once you have the story, you have the story. Like I wouldn't even, at this point, I don't even think I'd read the book. Because I was I, actually just gonna say I might would read the book, but I don't know. We'll see. I looked at it because I saw it's two hundred twenty four pages. I'm a little bit more inclined. I expected it to be five hundred pages. <laughs> you might read it now. I might be more inclined to check it out someday. Um, but that's it, folks. Uh, the Eight Mountains again. If you're a cinephile, then by all means check it out. It, it, I'm not sure if it'll be eligible. I'm assuming it would based on the release date. Be eligible for the Oscars next year um for best foreign language film i would if it is eligible next year then i would expect it to be in that number um but until next time and i'm not sure what the next review will be actually probably be guardians of the galaxy i don't know why i'm tripping uh next review will probably be guardians of the galaxy i am going to do a movie review dump where i review like movies from the first three months of the year that i didn't do individual reviews for but until next time folks peace Thank you.